Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Rewind, the podcast that rewatches, reviews, and responds to every movie, show, and one-shot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Al Rodriguez. I'm Tony Camarena. And I'm Alicia Thayer. And today we're talking about Agent Carter, Season 1, Episode 5, The Iron Ceiling, which originally premiered on February 5th, sorry, February 3rd, 2015. In case you wanted to know what this episode was about, here's an IMDb summary. Carter finally gets a chance to prove herself as she's sent on a mission to Russia with Agent Thompson and the Howling Commandos. Meanwhile, Agent Souza makes an important discovery. Dun dun dun! dun. I'm I'm not sure that that is ominous enough of a a summary to warrant that, but keep it with tradition. Once the (laughs) listeners know what the important discovery is, Mm -hmm. then they'll know. But instead of starting in our usual 1946, we start back in the far distant times of 1937 in Soviet Russia. In Soviet Russia. But Uh thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, Yakov Smirnov. We can't talk about Soviet Russia without you coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Uh so uh yeah we get um what something we don't even know about yet because um age of ultron doesn't come out for a few more months but we get our first look into the red room Mm-hmm. which i just have to say if that's what the red room looked like back then dude i cannot imagine what it was like for natasha when she went through that shit holy crap well yeah i mean this is the 30s where it's probably you know funded well mm-hmm. that in the 80s when natasha's going through it this towards the end of the soviet union so i can't imagine them <laughs> being any better um we can actually pinpoint to almost the week of when this happened because it says 1937 and they're watching snow white and seven dwarfs and that came out on no- december 21st 1937 oh, which wow. means this has to be the last week of december in Soviet Russia, and they're exercising in tank tops outside. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so when when you say it was released December twenty first, like is that released to theater, and then they just got their own copy? They bootlegged it. Not, is that what you're telling me? Yeah, but not even really that. That's when the world premiere was, and it didn't go into theaters until like January or February. Oh, like wow. it, the way they did it back then is they'd. Since there's no TVs, I had looked at this for a little bit. Since there are no TVs, they would have a movie rotate and play for like two or three months in um, a theater. So they, um, some places didn't get until 1938 or 1939. But the world premiere was December 21st, which is literally the earliest time they could have gotten this. (laughs) Wow. Okay. All right. And they got a home viewing too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's and they like really rare. They'd already watched it enough to, you know, say the words along with when it's happening. So <laughs> Alright, so they've seen that. it a lot. Yeah. Well we said the red room. We didn't even mention that. Uh yeah, this is where Natasha will be uh trained later. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, we're getting a little bit of her backstory before they even reveal anything about it in Age of Ultron. Right. Which, uh, it's not the first time they've done this with the movies, but I think it's kind of cool that they're, like, predating the movies that are coming out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they, yeah. they know they're going to talk about it, right? There's there's probably some level of communication between the show and the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's kind of nice to, to get that, that uh, quick background, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I do want to talk about that fight scene part at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this was a little bit weird. All of those girls had pigtails, except one, and I want to know her story. Why is she the one that was allowed to not have pigtails? Hmm. Was she, like, the leader? Was she, like, the best one, so she got to do her hair however she wanted? She got some freedom? Or was it, like, was it like the dunce cap? <laughs> that she's bad. <laughs> she, she hasn't earned her second ponytail yet. Exactly. So, quick thing. Uh, uh-huh. Snow White didn't officially hit theaters until February 4th, 1938. Yeah, that's what I was saying, that the premiere was in December, but it didn't come out in most places till February and March 
Oh, 38. Yeah, so it was yeah. like the earliest possible time they could got it was stealing it from the premiere. Right, apparently. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Um, One thing with the comics, and it's not my notes, it just occurred to me. In the comics, uh, Natasha is kind of immortal. Like, they DH her, and she was alive in the 30s and 40s. So one of these girls could be Natasha. Hmm. You know, so if if uh, that storyline holds true, because she has the what is it, the Infinity Formula or something like it, yeah. Um, I would be shocked, especially since in um, Armin Zola says that she was born in the eighties, like nineteen eighty six, when he's a computer and a Winter Soldier. But who knows if that's accurate? <laughs> but I would like to think one of these girls is probably Natasha. <laughs> That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, we flash forward to 1946, nine years later. Um, and at the diner, Dottie is having lunch with Peggy, who I did not think they were that close. So I'm surprised that they're going after the other. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like maybe Dottie just kind of, because as far as we know, she's kind of the spy person, right? She's the neighbor to Carter, and so she's or like just she's just a huge gun nut, and will do anything for a cool gun. <laughs> One or, or the that, other. or that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I figured she was just trying to uh, like get close to Carter, so she's just doing anything she can to like be around Carter to like oh become mm-hmm. friends that kind of thing. Yeah, like force the friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we do know, we see later that Peggy is her mission. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But right now she's just acting all touristy and, you know, kind of adorable. But we know that she's secretly pure evil. Very, very. <laughs> like, the, like, even without what we'd seen in previous episodes, this episode with Donnie just was like, <laughs> I was already like, it like iffy on her when she showed up the first time like when i watched the first time i was like "Eh, something yeah yeah why are they introducing this character putting so much importance on her right yeah Yeah. and then and then what we saw with the gun i was like all right i'm not quite to the level of a peggy watch out peggy watch out but i'm like all my (laughs) hackles were raised i was like you you throw off all warning signals and then she knocked the purse to the ground. I was like, Peggy, Peggy, check the purse. Check the purse. <laughs> because I don't know about you, but I am, well, it, you guys don't have purses, but I'm anal retentive whenever my shit goes in it. And I'm not like most, like, I know I'm not like most women who just like toss their shit in their purse. In my purse, there are spots for everything. Like certain things go in certain spots. And so, A, I would have been anal retentive if my purse had been knocked over, I would have put everything back in the spot, so I would have noticed my keys were missing. Yeah. But, yeah, I was like, ah, oh, that was so obvious. So obvious is obvious. Yeah, I thought she was going for originally the ripped up card of Jarvis, the Jarvis mm-hmm. card that she has, and carries right. along with her, just in case, you know, SSR actually puts on some security and checks her bag. Right. They have perfect evidence that she's working with Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> But, um, yeah, stuff gets knocked over, and then she leaves, and then Dottie gives her the evilest look. At the key. <laughs> yeah, the key, and she looks at the key, and then she looks up as Peggy's walking away and giving Peggy the evil look. And I wish Peggy just turned around and just saw that evil look on her face. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you looking so suspicious about? <laughs> but, um, yeah, as soon as she leaves... Uh, Jarvis approaches her on the street, on the rainy street that reminds him everybody of England, which <laughs> although, I, oh sorry, go ahead. I was I'm saying I went to England back in um November and it didn't rain once, so I think it's all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. Um, it was really interesting because you know it was raining, everyone had an umbrella except for Carter, and there was no rain actually hitting her; she was dry. Right. Well, it's because she's um has aether inside of her, like um Jane Foster did in the Thor: The Dark World. So you know the rain doesn't hit her at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's where it was hidden all those years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Peggy, the Dark World? No. <laughs> no. Just no. Yeah. Um, it made me think of something because it says it reminds her of home, 
or maybe it reminded Jarvis of home. It reminded one of the two British people in this show of home. And um, right before that, Dottie had been asking her about, like, she's talking about the real New York and stuff. And it makes me think of, how long has Peggy lived in New York? Because my impression was she came for Operation Rebirth, which is Captain America stuff. Mm -hmm. And then she went to Europe to fight for three years. And she's probably been back for about a year. Does she really know the real New York? Or is she just talking out of her ass? Nah, I think she would probably have gone explored the places that Steve had lived just to keep memories of him and see, try to hold on to what she knew of him. That makes sense. I mean, like, she also could just want to do a lot of things, like in the area. Like, we only know her from her doing her job, right? Like, uh -huh. But before Stark showed up, what did she do with her evenings? Did she, like, go out and do stuff, or... Did she do other missions that she just decided to pick up? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think she stayed home. Yeah, yeah. yeah she okay. seemed like she was a home buddy. Hmm. Or stayed late hmm. at the office. I mean, depends when that one shot took place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever figure that out. All right. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but... um. We get uh, Jarvis approaching her and kind of defending Stark in, you know, the most, the best words to describe him, thoughtless, inconsiderate, vain, unreliable, and arrogant. But really, he's a good person deep down. I'm just like, I don't know if you're all those things. I don't know how, he doesn't, he doesn't eat children. So he's a good guy deep down. <laughs> right? You gotta draw the line somewhere. Right? Apparently yeah. eating children is that line. <laughs> yep. He, he keeps all his cannibalism to like people 20 years old and older. So. Mm -hmm. No. Um, and then uh, she's still kind of just like, screw you Jarvis and screw you Stark. And Jarvis goes for the low blow of um, telling her that all she's, they think about her is getting coffee. Which is true. Mm -hmm. But still, like, screw you. <laughs> and then we move on to the SSR, where they have the code from the mysterious typewriter from last episode. Yes. Um, Al, did you have something for this? Did I? <laughs> it says, cracking the code, dash Al. <laughs> huh. <laughs> it wasn't me. I promise you that was not me. Hmm. Oh yeah, that's right, because he did that at once. Um, <laughs> um you know, I may have just copy pasted my name in the wrong spot. Um Okay. Oh, you know what? Okay, sorry. Now, now I remember. No, there's there's a reason why I put my name there. It's it's not it's not a good reason. Um the, I I just wanted to like have my name in a spot to, to remember to say that at some point, like, this was great because this is where we actually see like Carter doing stuff like like her job stuff right like we, we've been seeing her do stuff but she's so hindered she's like not able to fully like do everything because you know she has to sneak around and she can't do anything with actual like SSR resources or anything mm -hmm. um, but like right here and, and this whole episode too of her her storyline but like this the scene it just starts out of like her basically showing everyone up because she actually has the skill set like for this exact thing that they need an immediate thing for and, and everything and uh, and then it just goes on with her like reminding everyone and reminding us too like just how awesome she is when she doesn't have to do things with the hand tied behind her back yeah um yeah she walks in <laughs> no it's good that it shows her um you know, proving her worth because as we've been actually pretty critical of her so far, that she's not a great spy, but she <laughs> knows how to crack codes and she knows Russian apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, but as soon as she walks in, we see agent Thompson in his natural environment, bullying a nerd. He's <laughs> <Right. laughs> getting mad at the cryptographer. And to be fair, the cryptographer is not good at his job Isn't because he doesn't, he doesn't, like, he cracks the code, probably. I mean, I don't know. But he <laughs> didn't, uh, couldn't imagine that it could be in a different language, like Russian. 
just like <laughs> okay mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then um because peggy speaks russian she immediately knows what's up right and uh it's about they're talking about the havoc reactor in this country of belarus um that there uh stark supposedly sold it for about a hundred thousand dollars to the covert russian group leviathan dun 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 <gasps> yeah and last week i said that i actually did look to see how much money something was worth uh one hundred thousand dollars is roughly 1.27 million dollars oh, in today's money which yeah it's a lot i would be happy if someone gave me a 1.27 million dollars i'd be happy if someone gave me a hundred thousand dollars right but isn't that kind of a drop in the bucket of um stark's fortune i mean would he would the are we really supposed to believe that he would give up the stuff in america for 1.27 million dollars no i don't think he would uh yeah, I don't think I think it has to be a lot higher than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, wait, are are we assuming that he's only like selling to like he's I thought this I thought they were basically trying to say that in addition to what he's doing, he's selling it to them for you know, the $100,000. Or was mm-hmm. I just wrong on that? It, no, it that would make more sense. I don't remember them saying that, but that would make a lot more sense. <laughs> okay. Um, so after Peggy, you know, shows that she's actually can do something, um, <laughs> she tries to get on the team, which Thompson is not having. Um, she proves to Chief Dooley that she knows about Belarus and what happens if you smell fish on the air, which apparently fish equals snowstorm. I, it's the winds I, coming over and over the sea and generally mid colder weather. Uh, that make that makes sense. I would die in Belarus, apparently. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, we get a little bit like of Chief Dooley's thoughts that if she dies or if someone dies because he sent her there, it, that's all. It would look bad on him. So he's just being a bad boss because he's afraid of taking a risk. Mm-hmm. But you know, I feel like it's most of politics. <laughs> Well, I feel like once you hit that level, if you, like, care about your career more than what you're supposed to do of a job, it like, everything at that point becomes politics, right? That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that alone might be saying something about his character, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we get, um, uh, Peggy says she can bring in the 107th Regiment. I wonder who that could be. Alicia? I was so excited. I was like... <gasps> We get the Howling Commandos? We get the... Oh my god, yay! And I was like, I have, I had no doubt she was going to be able to do it. I was like, oh no, she calls oh, yeah. them. They'll be there in a heartbeat. I was like, dude, you don't know what you're up against right now. <laughs> and then she comes back and she's like, they'll meet us there. That's where you're going, right? That was the most obvious. And I was like... <laughs> yeah, your plan's the most obvious plan ever. Right? <laughs> I, I, I would, as someone who likes the other possibilities, I would like her coming back. He's like, well... Couldn't get the 107th. How about the 104th? I could probably <laughs> get them. She just calls different regiments. Right. No. Yeah, I just I just thought it was funny. She was like, obvious, obvious plan is obvious, Thompson. Let's go. <laughs> so yeah, so she gets on the team and she's got to suit up. But there's no women's room. Door. Right. I was like, yeah. she's like, she, she knows that she has to suit up. How long has she been standing in that door, near that door? To she could have walked downstairs and used the bathroom, or gone in already. She was waiting for Thompson. Come on. Uh huh. I was like, that's. I think she was getting. It's more she was getting her nerve up, and then Thompson. She doesn't want to look weak in front of Thompson, so that's what triggered her to finally go in. Ah, is that what we're going with? Yeah. I mean, I guess that would be logical. (laughs) I know. Uh. Like, I have a phobia of spiders. Me too. Right? But if I'm, like, in the classroom in front of kids and there's a spider, I don't freak out in front of them because as a teacher, you don't want to look weak in front of children or they will eat you alive. That's probably accurate. So so I will 
I will literally pick up a spider with my hands nope. in front of the kids. Uh, no, unless it's... Uh, 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 uh. No. See, what Alicia just said out loud is how I would be feeling inside. But unless it's like something I know it's poisonous, like a black widow, that's what I'll usually do. <laughs> and but it's like it, it, not looking weak is what motivates me to do something I would usually freak out about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so i take it that's not something you would ever do alicia is that is oh that god no no i i i see uh, even a little spider and i hit the hills like i was driving like yesterday yeah yesterday i was driving yesterday i dropped my husband off at the airport because he had to go out of town this week and i'm driving i'm in the car and we're we haven't gone very far from home yet and i see something crawl across on the outside of the car and go under the <laughs> hood crashes the and car. i was like i'm gonna pretend i don't see that i'm gonna pretend i don't see that i did not see that i did not see that i did not see that my husband's like what are you talking about i was like there's a spider under the hood he's like what <laughs> i thought you didn't see it right <laughs> i don't even know what it was i was just i was like creepy crawly i was like nope i'm done <laughs> Well, anyway, <laughs> Peggy acts like me and not Alicia, and she goes in and doesn't freak out screaming. <laughs> well, but I yeah, be she. Uh, of that. I know, but um, yeah, uh, she's goes in and changes like around the corner from the guys, and then Sousa comes in, and Thompson uses this as a perfect opportunity to bully Sousa again. And sends her, sends him over to her side while she's changing, and then he sees the two marks on her shoulder. Yep. Yeah. And he recognizes her shoulder from something else, but we'll get to that later. Mm. And then we're off to Belarus. Belarus. Um. Yeah. They uh obviously they can't land their plane there because it's Soviet occupied. So they have to uh, jump from the plane like you know, stupid people do. <laughs> like Captain America does. <laughs> At least they're wearing um, parachutes. <laughs> right. But, yeah, um, Thompson is nervous because he, although he has jumped from the plane before, they've all been training jumps. This is his first real jump after eight training jumps. And this is the first time he is not looking good in his element. Ooh, he is uh, he's, he's definitely not okay with what's going on. But he's still, to give him credit, he still steps up and he's still the first one out because he's the leader. Mm-hmm. And apparently, apparently he survives. Right. So, I mean, good for him. <laughs> and um, they're sneaking around Belarus for a little while and then they hear someone yell about an emu. And he- <laughs> Which apparently is... Not the code word. Oh, I was like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> emu. And then he says ostrich, <laughs> and then like the code word was apparently eagle. Eel, right. So and I was just like, oh my god, and it totally fits them too. <laughs> he forgot the code word. <laughs> His name is Dum Dum. So yep. <laughs> probably fits. Now I don't remember who it was that shouted it, but but when he shouted that, oh, Dum Dum forgot the. uh Forgot the code word again. Did he say Peggy? Yes. He, did you say Peggy? He forgot yes, the code word. Did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he like they knew. They already knew they were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we get uh, the return of Dum Dum Dugan, and then uh, three other the Holland Commandos, who none of them were in the movie, but it's okay. Right? <laughs> I was gonna ask if they were the same characters that were in the movie or not. No, or apparently. Actors. Two of the actors were supposed to come back. Um, Jim Morita, who was a Japanese guy, and one of the other characters, I forgot his name, were supposed to come back, but because of scheduling conflicts, they couldn't get him back for the episode. So instead, we got Junior Juniper, Happy Sam Sawyer, and Pinky Pinkerton. Yeah. That explains we're why we had no the... problem killing them rapidly. Well, yeah. Well, Junior Juniper uh, was the only character in the comics, Howling Commando, who died. He was actually the first named character to ever die in Marvel oh, wow. Comics. Yeah, and he was killed by Lord Ha Ha. So. <laughs> 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 that was an eight. What did, did he have powers? 
Or was he like a second rate Joker kind of guy? What 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 is this Lord Haha? Now now I need to know. Uh, I have no idea, but I will gladly look him up. Lord Haha. Let's see. He had Oh, he, he was a Nazi radio announcer and he had no powers. No. Yeah. How he he how he killed Pinky, or no? Was it Pinky? Or Ju- no, it was uh, Junior. Junior. Yeah. Um. He grabbed on that rifle and shot him, and ran away. Mm-hmm. Oh. So yeah, he was. <laughs> that's that's not very super villainy at all. No. That's just normal villainy. <laughs> no. Well, again, the Howling Commandos aren't super either. So I guess it's fair. <laughs> All right. I get, that's true. That's true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We've also got um, Happy Sam Sawyer, who's played by a guy named uh, Leonard Roberts, who has played a few other nerdy things. He was a hero in the TV show Heroes. He was, uh, if you guys ever watched that, he was a guy who could walk through walls, apparently. Mm. And then he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who was a friend of one of Buffy's boyfriends. But he's the commander of the Howling Commandos, so he's the commando commander. And then we've got Pinky Pinkerton, who was the first gay character ever in the Marvel comics, which was interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's surprisingly progressive, because these guys came out in the 60s. Um, It was surprisingly progressive... But they also named the gay character Pinky, so I'm not sure how forward-thinking that was. <laughs> well, it was a step. <laughs> yeah, one small, two step forward, one small. step back. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, after we get we meet the new um, commandos, we get revealed that they're going to drive to another country and then into Russia. I forgot what the other country was. Um, anyway, they go on, uh, the trucks and we get revealed that, uh, Dum Dum did this whole thing just for a bottle of bourbon. He brought the whole Howling Commandos, which makes me think, um, is he going AWOL? Is he leaving without permission from superiors just to help Peggy? That's possible. I feel like she would have gotten yeah, permission I mean, for it, though. I, I would like to think she would. But they may not have. She, she would have because she wants to make sure they don't get in trouble, and she's responsible. Okay, I would just think, yeah, that it would take too much time to do that. Honestly, she's got the whole flight. It would out. be. Um, I mean, if they've got camera pens, well, I'm pretty sure they can make a phone call on a plane. Yeah, but um, no, because she's not working with Howard right now, and Howard's got the world's only car. Howard phone. was so. government contracted. I'm pretty sure they got at least that from him. Okay. So, so she's actually lucky that they showed up at all because she said yes before she probably got confirmed that they were right. going. They, we find out that all oh, dum dum Mrs. Cap too, which to be fair, I bet anyone who knew Cap Mrs. Cap, except for mm-hmm. you know the Nazis. So <laughs> he was a pretty cool guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um. They meet around, uh, they go camping for a little bit because they're not going to just attack in the middle of the night. And they're talking a little bit about, like, Junior Juniper saw Yeti in Tibet, which makes me think there was an Inhuman that came out in the 60s that called the Yeti. So I wonder, could it be that guy, or did he run into a real Yeti? Good question. <laughs> so, there, there was some, like, there was, like, an offhand uh, joke that they talked about, like... Um, was it because originally he said the abominable snowman? And he said, no, mm-hmm. those aren't real. <laughs> we saw a yeti or, or something right. like Which that. Um, uh, one of them's real. <laughs> so I looked that up. Um, so in the Marvel universe, in the comics at least, um, there the yetis are the it's the actual name of the race, the of the the yetis themselves. Um, yeah. But they are sometimes called the abominable snowman. But the actual name—that's well, a that's a racist slur. So, <laughs> exactly. They were they were trying to be a little more progressive. 
<laughs> so yeah, they they went with the with Yeti. So yeah, so that's all I've got as far as that trying to be some actual um, connection. Or yeah, maybe it's the Inhuman thing. Yeah. Uh, quick question: What were the Commandos doing in Tibet? Good question. <laughs> I, my understanding of what the U.S. was doing in that side of the world at that time is pretty much yeah, zero. Like, so I, I know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tibet, I think, was controlled by China at the time, but that does not answer me why they were <laughs> over there. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, uh, we get the reveal that um. Agent Thompson got the Navy Cross, which is like the second highest award you can get in the Navy. It's uh, He got it from killing some Japanese that were ambushing him and some other people. Uh, or as far as we know right now. <laughs> um, and then we find out at that they're going to, next morning they're going to go in and... Thompson wants them to go into four teams of two, so everybody's split up, Scooby-Doo style. But, um, yeah, Peggy disagrees, tries to not openly disagree, but Thompson asks if she has any, a better idea, and she's like, she does have a better idea. Four team or two teams of four instead of four teams of two. So they don't all get murderized. No murder. <laughs> and it worked out. Mostly. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't all get murderized, so... Just some of them. <laughs> yeah. Because it was definitely a trap, we find out. Well, they mm -hmm. knew that going in. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, But yeah, then they go in, and they, um, they go in and they find, almost right away, an American classroom inside this Russian, like, it looks like a factory. Uh... This got a projector going, which is not at all suspicious of a cartoon with the subliminal message of instill fear, which I don't think you have to teach that subliminally. If you're teaching Russian spies to go into America, you can just tell them that. You don't have to, you know, hypnotize them to do it. <laughs> so they, um, that video, that was not... Uh, the same uh, Disney movie we saw earlier, right? That was something else? Yeah, um, definitely not Snow White. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I was trying to remember if it was Snow White or, or something else, because uh, if so, that would have meant that they, they got the movie, you know, really well in advance and made edits to it, but never mind. All right, something else. Well, no, well, this is nine years later. They could they could have had Pinocchio by now. <laughs> that's yeah, I was <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, I did not like that movie. <laughs> Yeah, neither is my wife. A lot of people get are kind of freaked out about that movie. I, I guess it's kind of weird, but anyway, <laughs> it's creepier when Ultron sings it. But we'll get there in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um. But they're walking around and they hear a crying kid in a room full of beds with handcuffs on them, which is right. creepy. This whole thing is creepy. I'd be a little freaked out here. Forget Pinocchio. This is what freaks me out. <laughs> right. And then, um, yeah, they find a crying girl who likes uh, Dum Dum's bowler hat, and Dum Dum goes on to explain why they call it a bowler hat. Except he doesn't. Except for he doesn't know. <laughs> and before he can find out why they call it a bowler hat, the little girl stabs him in the chest, <laughs> and steals his gun and shoots Junior. And this things take a wildly bad turn. <laughs> right? Uh, I was like, "Come on, you're falling for that." Uh... You know, creepy place, little girl crying. She's either a ghost or she's murdery. There's, there's, there's no. <laughs> you see about. the chains on the bed. Can you not have some Stockholm syndrome there? Come on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so she escapes through. I would like to think a dumb waiter, just to call back to last episode, but it's through some tunnel air duct or something. And Dum Dum does the most logical thing. What's he do, Alicia? Uh... He almost throws. Oh, he ahead. almost throws a grenade at her. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I totally would have done that. I was like, you killed one of my members. You stabbed me in the chest. Luckily, you didn't hurt me or kill me. But, like, dude, no, you're done. I would have I totally tossed that grenade through that hole. I mean, like, peace <laughs> out. <laughs> Sucks to be you. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the the other team of four shows up, and they're like, "We need to get out of here." But Carter doesn't want to leave without finding who framed uh, Howard. Right. So they continue. Um, one group tries to find who else is there, and the other group tries to find a way out. Like logical people who should be running away from murdery little children. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> And they find uh, a cell with two guys and a blueprint in it. The guys are uh, Nikolai and Dr. Ivchenko. So, like, super Russian people. Oh, um, that wasn't the... the uh, Goddamn. Iron Man 2? No, it's not. Okay. Um, was the guys in Iron Man 2 with... Uh, Anton and Ivan. I forget which is which, but those are the two names. Right, but are the, they the Vankos. Shinko? Oh, Vanko, that's right. Vanko, not Shinko. Yeah, this is Evchenko. I-V-C-H-E-N-K-O. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I looked up the <laughs> the actors. Um, Nikolai, I didn't even write the guy's, the actor's name down. He plays a bunch of, like, random Russian characters, like Russian mob boss, Russian enforcer, Russian <laughs> Russian taxi driver. It's like, I think this guy's been typecast. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> is, but, um, is he, is the actor Russian? You know what? I, I really don't think so. <laughs> I think he has an American name. <laughs> <laughs> but um Dr. Yuchenko is um played by another very American name, Ralph Brown. Um <laughs> who had two nerd creds. He plays a character named Rick Ole in The Phantom Menace. He's the um he's a pilot who says all the obvious stuff in um <laughs> on uh, Queen Amidala's ship. He's like this uh the planet's made of an entire city. You can't go to that planet. It's a full desert. <laughs> We're flying in a spaceship right now. <laughs> I don't think he said that one. <laughs> but every all his lines were just like um, real obvious explanations. And then he played um, the guy. I can't remember his first name. His last name's Aaron in Alien 3. The, the lead. I don't know how to say this. The third best or one of the crappiest Alien movies. Because they're only too good at Alien movies. But, yeah, he plays a prisoner in that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, they get... Uh, these guys have um, uh, blueprints to some Stark tech to the... What was it? The Havoc Generator? Havoc something? something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Stark isn't there, which I don't know why they thought Stark would be there. I don't but, know. Okay. <laughs> But they get uh, um, both uh, Nikolai and Dr. Yevchenko out, and they run to the boiler room because they're cornered. So they go to the place where there's absolutely no exit because, you know, they're good. Yeah. And then Peggy gets mad at Dum Dum for not being there when she needs him. She's like, I'm about to get very cross with you. (laughs) Ta-da! <laughs> yeah. Uh, um yeah, Lee and Sam get shot. Agent Lee gets killed because you know, he's a minority and Sam's a black guy, Lee's an Asian guy. The only two get shot. Not that progressive, although the gay oh guy's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody would be mad if he wasn't. Yeah. Um yeah, but Sam survives, the Lee dies. Um and then Ivchenko tries to calm down Nikolai saying listen to his voice cuz um we didn't mention this. Yevchenko's like his psychiatrist. He's terrible for a psychiatrist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he doesn't... Yeah, he's terrible because once a guy doesn't listen to him once, he shoots him in the chest. No, he didn't. <laughs> Somebody else did. No, I thought Yevchenko shot Mm-mm. him. Nope. Yeah, so did I. I thought that too. I swear yeah, it was... Yeah. Alright, now I'm gonna go look. Alright. Uh <laughs> I'll just keep going until you interrupt and tell me what happened. Yep, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, um, and then uh, Dum Dum kind of Kool-Aid man's in, <laughs> but <laughs> bursts down the wall, and pretty much everybody gets out except for uh, Thompson, who, instead of sh- firing his gun like everybody else, he's freaking out around the corner. Um, yeah, he's he's just stuck there because he he needs to get to the other side, but there's some fire in the way. Um, uh, gunfire, gunfire, yeah, flame fire, yeah. 
Yeah, but you think you'd think a guy who would um who killed all those Japanese people is probably a little braver than this, but guess not. Yeah, he's uh probably been exaggerating that maybe maybe just a tad, just yeah. just a little. Yeah. Or or lying. We'll we'll see in probably less than a minute or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I don't I don't know. <laughs> and then um yeah, they Everybody leaves except for Peggy and Dum Dum, and Peggy has to convince Dum Dum to leave, saying, "What would Cap say?" <laughs> Cap would say, "Do what Peggy says." <laughs> he probably would. They ever do any missions together, Cap and Peggy, and probably the Howling Commandos too? Um. Well, they did the. They were part of the big mission at the end. <clears throat> um, when they're infiltrating Red Skull's base, and then we get that montage of all that stuff happening. So they it probably fought the together sometimes. Oh, who I'm not. Say? I'm not entirely sure, but I'm. I'm watching the psychiatrist's hands when he's uh, talking to the guy, and there's a scene before it that he reaches that the person who shoots him reaches for the gun, but the psychiatrist's hands, the scene right after, are completely empty of gun. Oh, okay, I thought the psychiatrist grabbed the gun. Nope, and... it's somebody else. Adventure. One of the other guys. Okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. One of the enemy people, nope. or someone one of on the, the team. U.S. team. Yep, one of the U.S. team. Oh. You'd think they'd talk about that more. Right. All right. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But they all escape with Ivchenko mm-hmm. and not Nikolai, who was murdered. Yes. And yeah, they offer him a job in the SSR, you know, without looking at his credentials or figuring out right. if he's a spy or anything. Like, you know. Come on, guys. <laughs> Basics. Basics. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um. And then back on the plane, uh, Thompson reveals a little secret that the Japanese he got his medal for winning the ones that he killed weren't exactly ambushing him; they were um surrendering, and he killed them on accident. Mm-mm. So that's not good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, back in the uh, when they get to the SSR, uh, they uh, Peggy has earned Thompson's respect, and they go out for a drink. The end of part A right. of storyline A. <laughs> storyline A. <laughs> yeah, and then we get um, storyline B is uh, what I consider the Dooley uh, storyline, where he goes out for a drink with a friend. Um, he goes out to, I looked up this guy, he, the character doesn't have a name. He meets the guy that they call the SSR informant. He's played by, uh, John Glover, who has played two other superhero-y type things. He actually only played villains. In Smallville, he plays, uh, Lionel Luther, Lex Luthor's dad. Mm. And in Batman the Animated Series and the Justice League cartoons and stuff like that, he was the voice of the Riddler. Mm. So, Yeah. But this SS informant uh, tells uh, um, Dooley that Stark walked away from the government contract after the Finau incident, or the Battle of Finau. But him walking away probably is what put Stark on the bad list for the U.S. Where this I don't Stark think is probably it friends. was Stark that went on the bad list. I think the government went on Stark's bad list. Well, I think probably mutual, but it's just like because he walked away and knew these secrets, that's one of the reasons they might be going after him. Um, I think, at least I know when uh, the guy said he walked away from the government contract, I think that was Stark, because I know what happens later, because this is one the one, one TV series I have watched. Uh, <laughs> knowing what I know from uh, what is going to be later episodes, I think Stark was pissed and was like, nope. <laughs> you guys i'm out of here well yeah he definitely was he punched the general right so which is why he walked away from the government contract mm-hmm. so yeah well after he gets this information uh Dooley approaches jarvis again who apparently is still taking the doing the same schedule that he does every day but um he Dooley says he wants the truth and wants to talk to stark which is you know Obviously, I would consider that an obvious trick if I were um, Jarvis. 
I would not believe that at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, he gives him his card and says that he's reachable 24 hours a day, which is BS because he's not reachable right there. He's on the street. There's no phones. There's not cell phones have not been invented. How the <laughs> hell is he reasonable 24 hours a day? He goes home. He has to walk places. <laughs> it was a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, could it be that calling that number then rings like four different phones in different locations? So... 90% of the time, it'll get to him, right? Like, it'll get his office at work. It'll get his, maybe a home office if he has one of those. Um, the the bar where he drinks his sorrows away. Exactly, yeah. It might, it might have a special phone off to the side. And <laughs> the bartender will realize, hey, where did this phone come from? Anyway, it's ringing. Oh, okay, yeah, it's for you. <laughs> Could be that. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> This is the MCU, right? They they they've got technology that might work. That might be a thing. Howard yeah, but they're not friends me. with Howard anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Howard's yeah, the it. only one who they can get a hold of twenty four hours a day because he's got the <laughs> only car phone. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a little bit of um, storyline B. Storyline C is about Dottie. Crazy. Uh, Dottie bre- breaks into Peggy's room. Crazy uh, using, yeah, using the string and the door trick. And Alicia, I think we've talked about this before. Hasn't someone else used this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have used this, and my family uses this. But in the MCU, somebody mm-hmm. else did that, uh, or at least yeah, I, I talked about how this. they should have done it. But yeah, uh, I was not surprised at all. It was the- a penny trick that Sky used. That's right. It was um, the penny trick. No, it was Warren. Oh, I'm used sorry. It. <laughs> Dr. Sky Dad's daughter used. No, Ward Sorry, used wrong. it. <laughs> what, okay, Ward used it, and Dr. Sky Dad's daughter fixed found it. it. Yeah, found it and fixed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which also, um, Dottie finds it and fixes it. The, right. A string is better than a penny, but still not great. Yeah, because the string at least will be <laughs> fall down and it won't make any noise. The penny won't fall and make yeah. noise. Yeah, but she still knows that, unfortunately. There's got to be a better way. Like... I don't know, putting a wax seal on the top of your door. I mean, if you're a spy, not just like for everybody in Earth. But there's <laughs> got to be a better way to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So she goes on and she searches the room uh, looking for something and she finds the photos of Stark's weapons mm-hmm. and she takes only one of them with her. Which, why does she want the picture of that box? We don't know yet. <gasps> I don't know either. We don't know what's in the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? I think we've made that joke before, too. I'm pretty sure Um. we have. (laughs) There are a lot of boxes. I'm I'm pretty sure it'll get Uh, made again. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, sits down at Peggy's, uh, like, whatever you call that, that nightstand table with the mirror. It's It's a, oh, God. I know the name of it, I swear. Uh, she sits down in front of the mirror. <laughs> I'll yell it out when I remember. <laughs> and she sees the picture of young Steve, and then she creepily mimics Peggy. So it makes me think uh, she is a crazy pants. <laughs> and then um, she. Oh, I don't get a good view if she just looks at it or she steals the knockout makeup. But she definitely. A vanity. Admires it. A vanity, yes. Mm-hmm. Told you I'd remember. Which is yeah, appropriate, because I... she does look very vain. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I I was really wondering what would have happened if she actually put that on. Like, would she have accidentally knocked herself out like we were joking in the series premiere of the show? No, I think she would have been smart enough. Yeah, I... Also, our theory, if we're going with our theories... Um, we kind of believe that the Red Room trains these uh, women to not be susceptible to that type of poison. Like we were talking about Black Widow. So maybe she's immune to it as well. Mm. Who knows? Okay. All right. Or maybe it's a special like MCU style makeup that only knocks out men. Oh, maybe. Good question. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, um, she leaves and puts the string back, and then she goes to bed, and she handcuffs herself to the bed. Which is which so makes... weird. Yeah, I don't know if it's that's because she has no control over her body at night, or if that's like a comfort thing. She grew up sleeping that way, so I, maybe that's I, how it feels good. I think that's what it is. I think it's a Stockholm Syndrome thing now. She's so used to it that she can't sleep without it. Yeah. So yeah, so we get... Because of that, we got a little bit more into Psycho Dottie's thing, and then that was storyline C, and now storyline D is uh, Sousa. Back in the um locker room, he knows Peggy's scars. And then here, he looks at the pictures of the blonde woman. She has the same scars. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> because Peggy has only two identifiable marks, which are those two scars. Right. And she does not cover them up at all. Mm-mm. That's which really stupid no, of her. Yeah, right. It's like, makes no sense. Again, <laughs> Agent Peggy Carter. She made the mistakes, so the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> They they all learn from her. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yep. She oh, was. She's the pioneer. <laughs> and yeah, that's it for this episode. Unless you guys have something else. Nope. No, not a thing from me. All right, everyone. Um, so this was this episode. Uh, listen next week when we talk about episode six, Ascend to Air. And as always, please Ooh. remember to follow us on Twitter at MCU underscore Rewind. And please give us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, assuming you like this. Otherwise, yeah, I don't got a good one for this. We'll, we'll send a seven-year-old girl with a knife. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there was a lot of things going on, but none of them were like super like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use that one. No, no. All right. Uh this was the Marvel Cinematic Rewind for Agent Carter, Season 1, Episode Yay! 5. <laughs> the Iron Ceiling, signing off. Have a marvelous day.